Patriots, assemble! We don't mess around. We don't waste time. Over here at his hard line. Let's go! from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Welcome to the show. Let's get started. Greetings and good day to all of you ladies and gentlemen out there. I am Jason, your co-host with our sovereign Lord and Savior Christ Jesus at our side because he is the host with the most and let's not forget the most high and he is in charge he is in the captain's chair he's at the helm he's at the head of everything he's behind the wheel (laughs) quite frankly let's just face it he is steering our great ship through these crazy rough waters that we call life so welcome to his hard line today is saturday happy saturday july 22nd 2023 and we're just clipping along in this year next thing you know we'll be celebrating the end of summer come labor day and it's gonna be fall fest usa And today you're listening to episode 581, Reclaiming Our Republic, and we will be doing a reading out of Psalm chapter 52. But first, this daily disclaimer, I want to clarify that I am not a doctor, holistic health expert, financial advisor, pastor, priest, deacon, biblical scholar, or a bar lawyer. I don't possess any titles of nobility. I don't offer legal advice. I do not have a political degree or have had any involvement with any unconstitutional three-lettered corrupt agencies like the CIA or FBI or DOJ. And while I'm not a member, or excuse me, while I am a member of the Michigan General General Assembly and advocate for your participation in your local assemblies, I am not the official face or voice of the national state or county assembly. I want to emphasize that I have no affiliation with other groups who try to mimic the lawful assembly, such as American States Assembly, National Liberty, Life Force, Beacon 37, RUSA, and Tactical Civics, or any other organization outside of the Michigan model. I have never participated in any fraudulent status correcting associated with AVR, Bobby Lawrence, and David Strait and Company, and furthermore, I do not endorse or advocate for violence. Please note that the opinions, thoughts, and statements expressed on this podcast are solely my own unless I reference other materials. So there you go. So um, <clears throat> I got an audio piece I'm going to play. It was something I wanted to play yesterday, but never had a chance to just because of time. And so anyway, so today's title, it's called Reclaiming Our Republic. And I was debating about whether or not if I wanted to do a podcast today, because I typically do a podcast free day. Um, but considering I had a day or two this past week where I completely skipped out on you guys just because of, you know, life and work and whatever, I decided, you know, I'm going to do one because I got the kid eating her donut in the next room and she's watching, you know, her favorite little cartoons or whatever it is she's watching. And, uh, so I figured, you know, I'll just do one of these because what, what I want to discuss is pretty relevant. And I'm going to actually put this, I'm going to highlight this podcast on my website after it gets published. Because it is an important podcast that I believe Uh, I'm going to attach to the uh, National Assembly link that I have on my website. And what I want to kind of go over is so first off, now this was in the forums and I think this is worth reading. This is by, uh, you know, in in the national-assembly.net 
website. It's in the forums toward the top. If you click on forums and it talks about the functions of, you know, the national um, assembly versus states, right? So just for clarity, people should know that the national assembly is a communications conduit, okay, for the state's assemblies. It's a communications conduit for the state's assemblies. It is a focal point for information and how people can reach out to their county and state assemblies, okay? And the National Assembly has no membership of its own. Just FYI for anybody out there that doesn't know that. The National Assembly has no leadership but the states themselves. So people need to recognize that, okay? The National Assembly has no leadership but the states themselves. Now, when an email request to be, you know, when when there's an email request to be connected with a state coordinator, when that's received, the request is then forwarded to whoever stepped up to receive the request for that state assembly. Okay. Now, going through the content manager email protects the privacy of the parties involved. Now, this is why the state's coordinators and party or excuse me and communication secretaries contact info is not on public display so if you want to know more about how to get involved in your assembly um i would say for right now because i'm trying to it's on here in a way but it's not on here but if you want to know how to get involved forward you know send me an email his hardline at gmail.com and i will forward it to a man named Destry, who will then get you in contact and forward you to the local communication secretary um, for that state. Um, I'm, I just asked him if I had permission to actually put his email out there or that specific email out there. But before I do, I need to make sure I get his permission because I just want to make sure I'm not putting anything out there that's not supposed to. But I'm assuming I could, but I'm not going to just assume willy nilly. But um, if you want to know more about how to get involved, email his hardline at gmail.com until further notice. Okay. And then I will forward you to um, the guy who can get you in connect, you know, connection with your state's coordinator or communication secretary. But when a new introduction post is created in the national assembly forums, pay, you know, uh, section of the website um, in your state's introduction sections, it is up to the states. I'm going to repeat. It is up to the states to deal with them. The National Assembly can do no more. All the power and action happens in your county and state assemblies. That's where the power comes from. Your county and state, not national. Everybody wants to make a big deal that National Assembly is, is, is the head organization. It is not. Again, it's a communications conduit. The National Assembly is not a reflection of a central bank. People need to remember that as well. I don't know why people are thinking that, but the National Assembly is not a reflection of a central bank. It is a reflection of many independent nation equal states who send reps forward to a central point at a national level to maintain harmony with each other. So there is that. People need to recognize the functions of what a National Assembly is and what a state assembly is. National Assembly, again, for the last time, it's a conduit of communication for all the states in one spot. I'm going to take a quick sip of my awesome Colombian coffee. I love Colombian flavor coffee. It's got a good flavor. Especially when it's organic, it doesn't taste like it's got all the junk in it. Now, I want to read something off that is also updated on the Michigan General Journal Assembly's website, which is michigandejure.org. But this uh, update I'm going to read is from National dash assembly.net it is an update that was made as of yesterday july 21st 2023 and i am just going to continue reading updates on this because it is in the public purview so i can repeat it so for anybody out there that's in any assembly for that matter okay in your state here's the update the michigan now remember i am part of the mgja and don't you listen to anybody else out there who says otherwise because they are all, well, let's just put it this way. They're all not following properly. We'll just say that. But the Michigan General Journal Assembly, for safety and security reasons, has adjourned 
FYI, has adjourned. It has not gone sine die, but the Michigan General General Assembly, for safety and security reasons, has adjourned on July 13th, 2023, for the remainder of the year of 2023, due to an active coup that is being addressed. Now, to the other states assembled and assembling, here is your public service announcement. So take caution and listen carefully. Any information or communication seemingly from the MGJA is invalid and to be ignored unless updated there on, on here on National Assembly website. Work with other states will continue with Paul Industry. So, again, the MGJA has adjourned. Now, just because the meet, you know, the the MGJA has adjourned, okay, until basically the beginning part of 2024, does not make it go sine die, does not make it unlawful. It's no different than when we adjourn on a month by month basis. See, there is no, there is no requirement that you have to. What do you want? What do I want to say? There's no requirement to meet monthly. So if the adjournment, as long as there's a reconvene date in the motion, okay, so we are reconvening in 2024, in January, okay, in six months from July 13th, well, that would be January 13th, or right around there, right around there. I can't remember the exact date, but I would imagine right around there. So again, Take caution, anybody out there who is going to check your emails and if you're involved in your state's assembly and you're getting communication from what seemingly is the MGJA, take caution. In fact, let me see something here. I want to read something else here. MichiganJazure.org. Enter here. Uh, Let's see here. I just wanted to reach out. Yeah, and so the re- so the the notice on michigandejure.org is very similar to the one on national. It just says the Michigan General General Assembly has adjourned for the remainder of 2023 and will reconvene in 2024 due to an active coup from within and during this time any information or contact from what seems to be MGJA is to be treated as invalid or and ignored. Only valid e- here it is. That's why I wanted to read it. Only valid email addresses are from and at michigandejure.org domain. Again, only valid email addresses are from at michigandejure.org domain. This website is out of reach of those responsible for the coup. So I just want to let you all know, very important. So hear this public service announcement and take caution to those who are trying to abusticate infiltrate and destroy from within because they know we are gaining momentum and they know that crap's about to get real when we are able to start flexing our muscles when we get started you know when we get our 38 states so that said the current situation in the united states reflects a very significant shift from its early days of prosperity and freedom, okay? Because initially, it was recognized as a bastion of liberty and opportunity, and the nation was founded on the understanding that people have the right to enjoy the fruits of their labor without government confiscation. Now, the country's growth was built on biblical principles. Little do people want to realize that or admit, but with faith in our almighty creator, okay? And sound economic practices. Now, however, over time, certain powerful forces, like the ones that are trying to, you know, gain control over our assembly, but certain powerful forces gained control over our de facto government, right? Extending, or excuse me, our government, turning it de facto, therefore extending their authority over various aspects of life and promoting a concept of government dependence. See, efforts were made to centralize power and impose confiscatory Taxes leading to economic slowdown and a growing number of people depended on entitlements. 
Now, the Act of 1871, as you all know, that created a corporate entity to govern Washington, D.C., leading to a, how do I you want to say it, kind of leading to a departure from the original constitutional republic. And so the tactics used, such as marriage licenses and birth certificates, right, drive, you know, all that stuff, driver's licenses and other adhesion contracts have unknowingly subjected the people of the United States of America to governmental authorities. So despite all these challenges, the importance of restoring the nation's lawful status through truth and knowledge is emphasized without resorting to violence. And it underscores the need for courage and conviction to reclaim the constitutional republic and stand for individual rights and freedoms. Now, this passage concludes, or you know, that what we're going to be reading here, um, this concludes by I want to you know by highlighting the possibility of a renewed period of prosperity when truth finally prevails and a you know a transition to a sound economic system occurs, you know, like an economic system that's backed by precious metals. Now, before we go further in this topic of discussion, let's get into the reading of Psalm 52, because again, we always have to, you know, make room for God. We always have to start off our day, I think personally, by spending 15 minutes with our Lord and Savior and spending a little time reading in the Bible and spending some time in prayer. So Psalm 52, not a whole lot here. It's just nine verses, but very important. Now, this is to the chief musician. And it's a contemplation of David when uh, Doeg, the Edomite, went to went and told Saul and said to him, David has gone to the house of Amalek. And it starts off with verse 1. Why do you boast in evil, O mighty man? The goodness of God endures continuously. Con excuse me, continually. Your tongue devises destruction like a sharp razor, working deceitfully. You love evil more than good, lying rather than speaking righteousness. Selah. You love all devouring words, you deceitful tongue. God shall likewise destroy you forever. He shall take you away and pluck you out of your dwelling place and upright, uproot you from the land of the living. Selah. The righteous also shall see and fear and shall laugh at him, saying, here is the man who did not make God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. I will praise you forever because you have done it. And in the presence of your saints, I will wait on your name for it is good. Okay. So. In Psalm 52, it's a contemplative song that was attributed to David. And what we read here is a profound expression of the stark contrast between the wicked and the righteous, right? Because the psalm opens up with David addressing a particular man named Doeg, who is an Edomite who had informed Saul that David sought refuge in the house of Amalek. And throughout the chapter, David highlights the action and attitudes of the wicked person symbolized by Doeg, as well as the attributes of the righteous. Now, David starts by questioning the wicked person's inclination to boast in evil, and he emphasizes that God's goodness endures continually, emphasizing the stark difference between the transient nature of wickedness and the enduring nature of God's goodness. Now, the wicked person's tongue is likened to a sharp razor, because remember, Words can carry life and death, depending on how you wield them. And so in this case, it devises destruction and working deceitfully. So this imagery suggests the harmful consequences that arise from the wicked, the wicked's words and actions driven by falsehood and ill intent. Now, further insight into the wicked's character is unveiled as David reveals their preference for evil over good and their penchant for lies rather than speaking righteousness. Now, the wicked person loves using destructive and devouring words. We see this all the time. We see this all the time in our assembly. All right. And 
it underlines the malice within their hearts and their lack of concern for the consequences of their words on others. Now, in stark contrast to the wicked, the psalm also emphasizes the ultimate destiny that awaits them. God will destroy the wicked person forever, uprooting them from the land of the living, signaling the certainty of divine judgment for their actions. So the righteous who witness this judgment will learn to fear the Lord and take comfort in God's justice. You need to remember that. The psalm then turns to focus on the righteous. David likens himself to a green olive tree, right, in the house of God, symbolizing stability, life, prosperity. And the righteous find their strength in God's mercy, trusting in him perpetually. Instead of boasting in their own abilities or wealth, they acknowledge that their reliance is on the Almighty. That's why every single day, folks, every single day, when I go to work, the first thing I'm always thanking God for is thank you for another day of life and good health for me, myself, and my wife, or me, my wife, <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't even speak today. Me, you know, my, my wife, my daughter, and myself, thank you for another day of, you know, uh, to, to do it right. Thank you for another opportunity, another chance. Thank you for the job that I have. Thank you for giving me the ability to provide for my family. I mean, these are the things that I'm always saying every day. Why? Because I truly mean it. I do thank God for all these things because without him, I am nothing and can do nothing. So this chapter overall, it concludes with a declaration of praise and trust in God because the psalmist in this case promises to praise God forever for his righteous acts, acknowledging that it is he who has brought about justice. The righteous take solace in waiting. That's a key word, okay? It's, I know it's hard to, to swallow because we're not good at waiting because when we wait, we get impatient, and when we get impatient, we get irritated. But it's important that you understand that the righteous take solace in waiting on God's name, recognizing the inherent goodness that it represents. There's a lot of valuable lessons about man's nature and God's character in this chapter. I, I kind of want to look at a few verses here that, that I think is worth highlighting. So, first off, verse 1. I find this very interesting. Why do you boast in evil, O mighty man? The goodness of God endures continuously. Well, here, the psalmist questions why the wicked person takes pride in doing evil. Like, why do you think this is good? Like, why do you think, what, like, why do you like doing evil? I mean, it's a question I always ask myself daily. Like, why do people do evil things? I mean, but obviously it's because Satan, right? Getting into their hearts and minds. But it highlights the arrogance in this case, right? The arrogance and the audacity of the wicked in finding satisfaction in their malicious actions. Again, that's Satan working in their heart. They find satisfaction in doing malicious actions. Now, in contrast, the verse also emphasizes that God's goodness is eternal and unchanging and standing in stark opposition to the temporary and destructive nature of evil. Now you got verse 2. Your tongue devises destruction like a sharp razor working deceitfully. Now, I really find this verse very particularly profound because, again, it is a sharp razor. It is sharper than any double-edged sword that you will be able to find because this verse describes the wicked's the wicked person's words as being filled with deceit and destructive intentions and the imagery of a sharp razor suggests the harm and pain that their words can cause, cutting deep into the hearts and lives of others. And it underscores the insidious nature of their deceitful speech and harmful plans. And then you got verse three. You love evil more than good, lying rather than speaking righteousness. Now, here the psalmist observe, observes the wicked person's preference for evil, right, over goodness. And the wicked finds pleasure in wrongdoing and deceit, choosing lies over speaking what is right and just. And the word salah at the end of that is an interjection often used in the psalm to call for reflection. And what has been said, encouraging the listener to pause and consider the gravity of the message. And then the last verse I kind of want to look at is, you love all devouring words, you deceitful tongue. And that verse continues to highlight the wicked person's harmful speech, and their words are described as devouring, indicating their destructive impact on others 
And the deceitful tongue reiterates their inclination to use lies and deception to uh, to achieve their ends. I highlight these verses for a reason. The people within the assemblies of states, different assemblies, there is a dividing force out there, just like what AVR was doing before back in 2019, when we almost had all of our states to start flexing our muscles. She divided a lot of states and got a lot of people to jump ship. And I will say, she will pay the price. She will pay the penalty. Because that is a coup. That is also a coup. Now that said, you got to understand the nature of these people. They will use lies. They will try to even invoke the name of Jesus Christ to make you think that they are a Christian. They will do whatever they can and say whatever they can to make you believe that they are the righteous ones, that they are the ones that you should be listening to. Well, Jason, how do we know we shouldn't be listening to you then? What if you're one of them? You know, that's a very good question. Now, if you've been listening here for quite some time, I think you would know me by now by the fruits of my labor and what I have been doing and how I have been staying consistent with the message. I think you should know me well enough by now to know that I take accountability for my own actions. And whenever I have it wrong, yes, I do correct myself. I will not let it go uncorrected and unnoticed because of the sense of, you know, oh, I don't want my pride or ego to be damaged. What pride and ego? I don't have pride and ego. So that's number one. You should know that by now. But For those that don't know me and haven't listened to this platform for a long time, yes, you're right. You don't know that I could be or could not be one of them. So I would say this, you take it to God and and really take caution in anybody you listen to and ask God for that deep discernment. He will not steer you wrong. Okay, he will not steer you wrong. Don't listen to any man. Don't listen to any institution. The only one you should be listening to is our Heavenly Father in your heart. What is he showing you? What is, you know, how, what, what, what information is he helping you sift through? Okay. And Nancy was just saying right here in the chat. I just don't get their end game when they should know how much better off we would be. That's a good, that's a good comment because I've said that before to a few people and I've asked that same very question. Like, I just don't understand it. Why would you not want this country to be better off? Why don't you want, let me tell you what this looks like. So if you read the Bible and I don't mean, I'm not trying to make this all about the Bible. All right. But. It's very important because the Bible, let me tell you. So the Bible, if you don't know this already, you know, our founding fathers used the book of Deuteronomy to really construct a lot of our founding documents and and, and other authority documents that we hold dear, near and dear in this country. Book of Deuteronomy. But the Bible is a very clear manual for war. It's a, it's our first law book. If you think about it, it's our, it's a war manual. It's a, it's a manual on how to live life in a morally and ethically, you know, ethical way. Um, I mean, this the Bible, <laughs> the more I read it, the more I start realizing, wow, this really is about the most important book anyone could ever own and read and the heck with anything else. But I digress. But if you look in it, when you got Satan working, okay, in the hearts and minds of those that aren't close to God, Satan is very good at convincing those people that all right, just like think about it. It's just like when 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 Jesus was out in the desert, right? And Satan was trying to tempt Jesus. I could give you all of this. All of this can be yours. I'll give you rain over if you just basically listen to me. You bow down to me, right? And I'm I'm paraphrasing. But it's like Satan when Christ was out in the desert and he was trying to tempt Jesus. I can give you all of this. I can give you rain and power and wealth and fame. 
And Jesus said, no. Right? I don't think so, Satan. So back to the comment, I just don't get their end game. Their end game, they don't care about how much better off we would be collectively. They don't care about the rest of the nation. They may say they do, but what they're looking for is notoriety, status elevation, financial gain, power, control over others. This is what a narcissist likes. If you think about it, in fact, let me go to something real quick. Where did I post this? Hold on. Let me just scroll up for a second. So, where did I see it at? Oh, 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 I just passed it. Hold on. Hold the phone. Here it is. See, let me let me just read what a narcissist looks like. All right, this is the narcissist checklist. Just think about this because a lot of these people are are narcissists. That's what it boils down to. Oh crap! All right, they are two faced, putting friends and family down behind their backs. Right? They blame their lack of success and failures on others. They act different in public than in private. They're irresponsible and unreliable. They're arrogant. They act superior. Their lives in a fantasy world, which may include flirting, affairs, and dreams, and unlimited success and fame, okay? They are addicted to fantasy-oriented behavior, okay? They will lie and distort facts and change events to suit their own agenda. They're irresponsible with money. They're emotionally distant and unavailable unless they want something. They lack sympathy for others, especially those they exploit. They're very controlling. Again, it's all about control. That's a narcissist. Regularly provide people in, they, or excuse me, they regularly provoke people and blame them for the fight. And they have trouble admitting their own mistakes. These people, they want control. They want their way and the hell with anybody else. Again, these are all workings of Satan. It's very, very evident. But to, again, to address that further, when it comes to fiscal gain, right? Making money, they will sell their soul all day long. I mean, why do you think the Bible says? What, what profits a man that he sells his soul or loses his soul, but gains the whole world, meaning gains all the wealth of the world. So you're okay with living in this very little blip on the radar. We call 80 to 90 years of, you know, life here on earth. You're okay living 80 to 90 years as the wealthiest man in the world or woman, but for all eternity, burn in hell and not have the eternal goodness and, you know, uh, kingdom of God. I mean, seriously, really, you know, so to kind of discuss further from what we discussed earlier in the opening about the current situation, we find ourselves at hand here within our nation. Now this is from the national dash assembly website. But during the first hundred years from its formation, the United States of America became the most powerful and prosperous country in the world. It came to be recognized as being the bastion of freedom, the home of liberty and the land of opportunity. And so immigrants from all parts of the globe immigrated to the USA in order to realize the American dream. Now its core was the understanding that all people are entitled to the fruits of their labor, right? And that the government has no authority to confiscate the property or earnings of the people without their consent. But the reason for this immediate growth is the fact that it was built on biblical principles like I was discussing before, particularly the book of Deuteronomy. And its growth and success was based on faith and belief that the, you know, that the almighty creator and not government is our provider. See, our, its, it's foundation 
was the implementation of sound money, right? To be used with honest weights and measures, something else you'll find in the Bible in a free market economic system. Now, unfortunately, in its second half, you know, of, 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 of being in existence, right? The second hundred years of the U.S., the United States of America, there were certain powerful forces that gained control of the government and took measures to extend that control to the monetary system and all other aspects of our lives and promoted the false concept that people should expect their government to take care of them, thereby making the people subservient to the government. Now, efforts were put, were put forth to usurp power and authority from the people and the states and give it to the federal government. So, too, you know, the confiscatory taxes were enacted that served to slow down and stifle the economy and cause an increasingly greater number of its people to become dependent on it. The land of opportunity was slowly becoming you know, steadily transformed in the land of entitlements. See, we have now come to the point as a nation where the private sector is no longer capable of supporting the public sector and government debt has grown astronomically to levels which render it incapable of ever satisfying them. But yet to placate its creditor masters, the government is striving to increase taxes even more as we're seeing still today through that measure, and it will further discourage economic growth and exasperate our national debt crisis. See, simultaneously, in order to control the potentiality or the potentially hostile masses and under the banner of national security rights, liberties have been denied through egregious legislation by a legislative body that had no authority. So, so then worse of all, Here's the worst part of it. The government then got increasingly hostile to the people. And the Americans here, we Americans, have come to realize, crap, our elected officials no longer care what we have to say. In fact, let's put it this way. They never cared what we had to say because this has been going on for so long. They are not going to be moved or persuade by our complaints because they are tyrannical dictators that run under the banner of the Vatican and London. They have become very destructive to the people. Now, what's the background to this current situation that we find ourselves in? Well, back to the act of 1871, Congress enacted that, which president Ulysses S. Grant signed into law. Well, Jason, what's the act of 1871? Well, this act created the corporate United States of America, all capital letters, by the way, with which, the you know, to govern Washington, D.C. And this new corporate entity then enticed the states to likewise incorporate each state. So Michigan, which is a free and independent nation equal state, serves as an example or I should say as an example, became a corporate state of Michigan at that time. Now, next, they took steps to turn the sovereign people of the states into citizens of the imposter government. And a citizen is more or less a public servant of the government. So basically, the government reigns over the citizens. The government is in charge of the citizens because the citizens, by definition of the law of nations, it's subservient to the government. Well, guess what? People like you who are not, you know, hold any office or anything like that in the government, you're not a citizen. You are just simply the people of this country. You're over the government. This is imposter government that we're dealing with. Now, having done so, our nation ceased to be a biblical constitutional republic. And since then, the elected officials have been serving their international employers rather than the people who elected them or selected, I should say, because let's face it, the international community of Kabbalists have selected these people. We were never in charge of the election process. Let's, again, be real with our reality here, because we, the people, However, 
are of the understanding and belief that we live in and are being governed by the United States Republic. We are not, at least not quite fully. That's why we are reclaiming our republic. See, because this is demonstrated by the Pledge of Allegiance that is regularly recited as follows. We pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, right? See, we don't pledge allegiance to the corporation for which it stands, but rather to a republic. And the fact of the matter is, is that we did not expatriate ourselves from the republic in order to join the corporate de facto government. We didn't. We didn't do any uh, affidavit of repudiation or anything like that. We didn't expatriate. We did no such thing. But rather, the corporation has been using unlawful tactics, unlawful tactics to draw we the people under their control. See, the tactics are centered on, and, and, and this goes back to that whole stupid organization, Tactical Civics, which is created by the agents there in D.C., but the tactics are centered on the use of marriage licenses, birth certificates, driver's license, bank accounts, Social Security, and as a result of the 14th Amendment, and all contain adhesion contracts. See, having acquired any and all of these adhesions, we unknowingly gave the government authority over us. So like, for example, a marriage license, right? Or a birth certificate, right? Well, we'll, we'll just we'll just say the marriage license. It makes the government a third party to marriages and gives it ownership of the children produced by that union, hence the birth certificate. The birth certificates are not for us. That is basically giving the government permission to have control over your stock, aka the birth of your child. See, they also make users liable for the income tax that otherwise would pertain only to the people of Washington, D.C. Again, the citizens, which is the people under the government, okay? The citizens, the servants, have to pay a tax, not we the people. But somehow, we've all believed that we are the ones that need to pay taxes. No. No. See, Furthermore, they also gave states the right to demand licenses to travel and operate businesses. And all of these things have served to systematically deprive we, the people, of our national natural rights and subject us to the power-mongering government authorities. Now, again, I reiterate, we, the people, did not leave, nor did we ever attempt to leave or expatriate ourselves from the Constitutional Republic. We are reclaiming our republic, but we never left it. And to our surprise and dismay, we find that we it was just whoop, hijacked from us by these selected officials who converted it to a corporation owned by foreigners. And now that we are aware of this truth, it is our right and our duty to restore our land to its lawful status. And to do this, we, we do not have to restore, or excuse me, we don't have to resort to a revolution or a bloody riot or a military coup. No. But instead, a strategy, this, the strategy, is to accomplish the objective by relying exclusively on the truth and the pen. Hence, the old saying, the pen is mightier than the sword. Again, back to the original lessons from Psalm 52 about how words matter. So how do we assume power? How do we assume power to get this country and our republic reclaimed. What's this look like? What, what do we do? So you got to remember, America was restored not by revolution, not by riot, not by military coup, but rather the, by conveying the truth to the people via word of mouth and the pen. See, we are not enemies of the corporate government, and we are not taking any action to bring it down. In fact, we understand the difficulties that it faces and pray for the Lord to bless all who hold office. I say hold office who are sitting in our offices because they're not holding any office lawfully, but they're sitting in our seats. And like everyone else, we see that the corporate government is all but officially bankrupt and insolvent. And as such, it is losing influence throughout the world, as well as the confidence of the people. And with 
And with the other countries no longer wanting to acquire more of its debt, the corporate government is increasingly becoming incapable of meeting its financial obligations. And so when this happens, the dollar will rapidly drop in value, which we are continuously seeing on a daily basis. And we're also seeing this with China, Russia, and other countries dropping the dollar as their reserve currency. We're seeing this with the, you know, pretty much all nations. It's actively occurring. We see it happen every day. And with our government prepared and in place, we will be there to assist the transition. Not only will chaos throughout the country be averted instantly, but there will be a period of renewed prosperity, which will pretty much begin almost instantly. And so the only thing that can stop we, the people, from fully re-inhabiting our constitutional republic and reclaiming it is the lack of courage and conviction to take back what is rightfully ours. This was never theirs. This was always ours. Are you ready to stand for yourself and your family and reclaim this republic? Patriot Beagle is putting right in here in the chat. Hopefully lessons can be learned from other states to protect from infiltration and coup attempts. Well, I agree. I hope that lessons can be learned too. But again, this is why Michigan is putting this out there in public purview because it's going to have to be implemented. What we implemented here is what's going to have to be implemented in any other state that has a dividing force trying to separate the people and cause strife and chaos and try to basically disturb the progressive business, uh, you know, moving forward on business within the assembly. You just got to do exactly what Michigan did. So the thing is, back to the original question, why would these people do this? For money, power, control, status, notoriety. These people are driven by Satan. We need to remember that. Which brings me to the audio piece I want to play by our favorite friend, Buddy Brown, down there in Mississippi on his ranch. This is called The Risk Is Video I've Published to Date, Exposing the Devil's Best Lie. Let's give it a quick listen. Maybe if I can get it uh, connected. Let's do this. I guess I'll just hook it up to my cord. I thought it was connected via Bluetooth. I was wrong. All right, here we go. So deep in Mississippi, we tell the truth from the woods like it should be. Yes, this is one of the riskiest videos I've ever done because of the spiritual implications of it. It's not because I'm breaking any kind of community guidelines. I'm not even going to touch anything like that. It's not political whatsoever. But uh, Christians who hear me on this, you understand what I'm talking about. This is one of those videos that I feel like is a legacy video for me. I hope that 50 years from now, when someone's digging through my catalog, they'll come across this message right here. And it's real simple. We all say that the devil is this real bad guy, which he is. He's pure evil. But too many people today are living under the assumption that the devil ain't never going to try to give us anything good. Let that sink in. But he absolutely will, especially if God is trying to give you something great. The devil doesn't want your life to be great. He's the enemy. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But if God is offering something great, it would be stupid for him to offer, you know, devil to offer something bad because that choice is easy. A lot of times in my life, I have found that God is offering something great and the devil is trying to distract me and second guess God with something good and convince me that no matter which path I take, it's just a win-win, so it doesn't matter. By the way, if you're being attacked right now, (laughs) take it as a compliment because thieves don't break into empty houses, all right? Did y'all know it takes an elephant about 18 to 22 months just to give birth? An elephant doesn't have to pray, please make me great. Please make me big. He's already big. If you're an elephant, you will never be a grasshopper on this earth. The problem is we got millions of people created in the image of God with greatness inside of them thinking with the mentality of a dadgum grasshopper. God's children are already great. Some of us just haven't tapped into it yet. By the way, I want to make this very clear. This ain't some kind of prosperity gospel whatsoever. I can't stand that stuff (laughs) because the prosperity gospel ain't the gospel at all. And let me make that very, very clear. Nobody, not even the most righteous among us, is immune to tests and trials and really, really bad days. But if you're coming into the season of life where you actually have the chance to reach out and attain something great, watch out because something really good is going to get put on the table for you. I was sitting in a record exec's office in Nashville, Tennessee in 2016, about to sign my life away. 
the deal was uh, drop your songs, drop your political stance. Uh, you're going to trade your songs for our writers. They're going to give you something that is universally appealing. You're going to be a household name. And you're going to do what we say, be where we say to be at the time we say you're going to be. But you're going to be bigger than you ever imagined. And all your songs are going to get played on country radio every hour on the hour around the clock. Sounded really good, right? But it wasn't great. Great was trusting in the Lord that the long road was going to be the right road for me. That he was still going to give me three Billboard country albums, a million subscribers that all feel like family, by the way. Love y'all. <laughs> and I'm still able to make my kids baseball games on Saturday and take my wife out for a date. Now, that's great. I know guys that took the good deal. It turns out the record label wasn't lying. They became incredibly famous, just like they promised, but they have to take uppers to wake up. They have to take downers to go to sleep. Their kids don't even know them. They worry about their wife constantly because they're never there trying to protect her. They're subjected to endless temptation every single night after concerts at 1 a.m. when nothing good ever happens, and most of them crash out. Don't take the carrot. God's got filet mignon. If you trust him, if you trust him. I look forward to teaching this very lesson to my boys when they get older, but for right now, I just want y'all to understand. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. Now that is something that's great because good is sometimes the enemy of great. And I don't want y'all to ever forget that again. It's a tease. It's flawed. It's a distraction. I'm exposing these schemes now because this is what we do here. We tell the truth, but it needs to be heard. God bless y'all. Be good. That's right. I tell you what, I like everything that Buddy Brown has to say there. That was that was a great message, and quite frankly, I thought that was very fitting for the topic of conversation here. Uh, I don't want to go through. I don't want to overlook a question Nancy was asking. So when we marry, we go through the service, but no license. That's correct because think about it: the service is always supposed to be under God, number one. But before you go to the service, who do you go to first? You have to go to the courthouse and get your marriage license. You, that is not how that's supposed to work. You're making the government a third party in your marriage. No, that's not how that works. You just go to the church or we're right. And it's, you know, that's common law marriage. We're getting, we're going to be going back to common law. So look up common law marriage. We were never supposed to go to a courthouse to get a license from a justice of peace to say, oh, can we get married? We need a piece of paper that say we're getting married. No, that's not how that works. You get married at, you know, when you get a license, what you go through your, 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 your paperwork there. And then you, you go through the church. No, it's not how that works. God comes first, not the government. So there you go. Let's pray. Dear heavenly father, as we come before you today, we reflect on the history of our nation, the United States of America, a beloved nation. We, we acknowledge the blessing, the blessings and prosperity that you have bestowed upon this land during its first hundred years. We thank you for making it a symbol of freedom and liberty and opportunity, attracting people from all corners of the world in pursuit of the American dream. Yet, Lord, we also recognize the challenges that have emerged in the second century of our nation's existence, and we humbly ask for your guidance and wisdom as certain forces seek to try to gain control, especially now more than ever, in our assemblies and extend their authority over our lives. We pray that you restore a sense of righteousness and truth in our government and leadership. Father, we lift up our concerns about the increasing reliance of entitlements and the mounting government debt that burdens our nation, right? Because we, we, we basically want to ask that you help us find a way to balance the needs of our people without compromising fiscal responsibility and stability. But more importantly, we bring before you the issues of injustice and the erosion of our liberties through egregious legislation, the crimes against our children. We ask that you grant us discernment and courage to stand firm against any action that undermine our fundamental rights as a free people. Lord, we acknowledge the power of your truth and your ability to bring about change without resorting to violence. We pray for a peaceful restoration of our constitutional republic, where all people are treated with dignity and respect 
And lastly, we pray for a renewed sense of unity among our people, our fellow assembly members. May we come together, guided by your love and grace, and to work for the betterment of our nation and its people. And we also pray for the special intentions and the the prayers that are held deep in people's hearts silently, that they be answered in your perfect timing. And we pray all of this in your precious, gracious name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. So, with that said, that concludes episode 581, Reclaiming Our Republic. I had a... (laughs) Of course, Rietta's not here and Donnie's not here, but they had requested to have Prince played as a song. So I found the 1999 song. And you're very welcome, Nancy. Thank you for being here. Thank you all for being here. So we're going to play 1999 by Prince. Remember, I do not own any rights to this song. I do not make money off this podcast. I don't get any type of royalties. I'm just playing it like I'm a DJ at a nightclub. All right. Prince, 1999, and until then or the next time, I hope you all have an excellent day, excellent night, wherever you're at in the world, and uh, we will be back here again. Um, let's see, tomorrow's Sunday. I think tomorrow, I'm going to take a day off because tomorrow our horseback riding lessons, that's right, because tomorrow's Sunday, our horseback riding lessons got pushed from Thursday to tomorrow. So tomorrow will be a podcast-free day. I'll be back on Monday, okay? Monday I will be back. That would be July 20. Fourth, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did I put a wrong date at the beginning of my notes? Hold on a second. I just want to make sure I didn't put the wrong date at the beginning. Oh, okay. I did say 22nd. Whoo. So we will be back here Monday, July 24th, around 7 p.m. God bless, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you back here at the beginning of the week.
Remember, ladies and gentlemen, remember, ladies and gentlemen, we are firm, we are steadfast, and we are uncompromising. The enemy has crossed that line for the last time. It is up to people like you and I to hold that line. They've crossed the line way too many times, and it is time for us to stand up this republic and get after it. We gotta do this for God. We gotta do this for our families. We gotta do this for America, for the voiceless. It's time to get after it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining the show. forget to check out the website www.hisheartline.com and if you want to know more about how to get involved with your assembly go to www.national-assembly.net that's www.national-assembly.net it's time to get active ladies and gentlemen let's go Joining us here at His Heartline. We'll see you back here next time.